Totally not a virus. Trust me, I'm a dolphin. April 21st, 2021, this is Rare Encounter, encounter number 41, and hanging on by a shoestring, I'm Abel Kirby. And strutting myself in a kitty cat bikini, I'm Cold Acid. <laughs> hey guys! Ah, boy. Yeah, pics are Yeah, you know happen. what that's a call out to, right? Oh, of course I don't, yeah. The, uh... Well, there's a lot of things that happened so uh, since last week. I want to get to that, but first, you know, you'll have to pardon the uh, pardon the background noise. I am in a new apartment, and it's still under construction. The studio construction's going on as we speak, and so there it is in the background. You know, and so we're gonna have to deal with a couple things, you know, as we go through. I, I uh, just got everything plugged in right before we started. Maybe. Uh, Maybe uh, 30 minutes or so before he actually got online, so I'm crossing my fingers. I've got everything set up different, too, because why would I put it back together the same way? Ah. Oh, well. Yeah, that, that'd be sensible, and we can't have that. Yeah. Apparently, there's a fan in here besides the giant room echo, because I'm in an empty room, empty living room with, you know, nothing, no couch or anything to absorb the sound. I've also got a fan, and I think the control for the fan is inside a closet, utility closet, but it's locked, and I tried all the keys I have, and I, I can't open it. So I don't know. I'm going to have to break into this damn thing so I can turn the fan off. So there's a background fan. Oh, you can awesome. listen to that. So I'll, I'll try and keep my mic a little low so I don't have to deal with it. The noise gate, yeah, I guess I can turn the noise gate up, but I, I get worried when it's on because it, uh, it tends to clip my voice out a little more than I want. But I, I don't know. Maybe this is better. You don't have a bunch of heavy blankets you could hang from the ceiling, huh? I do, but they're packed up. They're actually all at my other apartment. So I have sound treatment um, that I do. They're all in garbage bags, you know, on the other side of the the thing. I actually stacked them up against the wall to see if it would do anything. The answer? No, not really. <laughs> so. Oh, well. Well, we'll just have all... to deal with you with you podcasting from a cave for the next couple of weeks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it'll be two. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna be done with this. Uh, I'll probably be still in limbo next week. I'll be done with everything by the end of the month. But I did save something, even though I've been in this apartment for uh, a little while. I, on purpose, saved something for the show, which is my drink today. Oh. oh. And this is a new apartment in a new city. And uh, for my drink, I have a glass of tap water that I've not yet tasted from this place, and so uh, I think that's what my uh, my drink today is. Well? Actually, it's not bad. It doesn't no, have that, good. the funky aftertaste some of these do. Yeah, I like it. metallic aftertaste yeah. that tells you that, like, the pipes are cheap. <laughs> yeah. So, I think this is a newer development, too, so maybe that helps. Um, Probably. Yeah. I like it with this noise gate on. I'm glad I turned that knob back up. It sounds better this way. No one needs to hear the fan. <laughs> uh, what do you got? I hear a can you're fumbling with. Yep, yep. I got Grower Cider Company Bartlett Pear Flavored Cider. Mmm, more pear. And it says, yeah, flavored. Flavored cider. And it says <laughs> all natural fruit flavor. And you know what that means. It's full of chemicals that turn the frogs gay. Yeah. <laughs> this is our friend Alex. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Well, what can you do? I've had it before. It's it's okay. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Well, there was a lot of stuff that happened since. So, you know, you, you mentioned at the beginning since last week, uh, I haven't done like anything except move and work. And I am so like, I'm great today. If you want to do this podcast, just don't ask me to think. Uh, don't ask me to read anything <laughs> or, uh, uh, you know, pay attention to anything that's going on around me. I'm like, uh, I'm ready to fall over right now. I'm so damn tired after this last five so in or other six words, days. I'm running the show on my own and you're just <laughs> recording it. Well, we'll see. I got a couple things. I got a couple things we can bring to the show. Uh, uh, but before we get to that, we had um, I wanted to remind everyone that we had a uh, stream that you can listen to the show live. Uh, we do we have that on rareencounter.net. You can go on. There's a little live stream button. Uh, you can always follow us on No Agenda Social, and uh, you can follow me at Abel Kirby or Cold Acid at Cold Acid at No Join No Agenda Social, um, the Macedon Federated uh, instance that we have. The uh, what are the other uh, bullet points here? We're also a value for value show now. And Cold, you handle that. So why yes, don't you do are. the pitch for that? Yeah, well, unfortunately, no donations came in uh, last week, so there's nothing to cover there. No executive producer today. But yeah, we do take we do take donations for people who find value in our show, so they can provide a little value back to us. And if they're finding value in our show, I don't know what's wrong with them, but I will still take their money. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, value. we accept PayPal and we accept Bitcoin. And I will personally accept 10 grand or Ubik <laughs> just to ask me if that's what you've got and want to send in because I am, I'm a bit of a 10 grand whore, but that's because like 10 grand is kind of like, kind of like karma on the, uh, on the no agenda troll room yeah. that we, that we pass around whenever anybody says something clever or funny. So what about Ubik? Is that a, a Philip K. Dick reference, or is there literally a currency called Ubik now? There is a currency called Ubik. Oh, boy. And it is it is essentially uh, the same technology as Ethereum, but a totally different chain. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, I'm still on the... I think I have... Just the only ones I really have ever worked on was Bitcoin and then Cardano. And I know uh, Darren O'Neill's been on that for a little bit. Um, yeah, Darren's been pushing the Cardano. I went and I used to. So here's a little fact, not to out myself too much, but I used to uh, drink beer with the guy who uh, started Cardano and he runs their whole operation. Oh, yeah, because I was going to take classes at night and he was coming. Uh, and so anyway, halfway or right before I got home, there was a little family restaurant. I hopped in and I was I was get a couple beers after class. And uh, his wife uh, worked as the bartender, and so he would come in and you know chit chat about math. And he was the one who pitched me uh, Cardano. You know, he's the first one who ever explained it to me. It was the guy who invented it, or at least he heads the team that invented it. And, uh, he's a cool guy. You can see him on YouTube. Uh, uh, he does little interviews. He doesn't quite have a podcast, but he has kind of a little video show where he just. Talks about crypto stuff. And so I catch that. His name's uh, Charles uh, Hodgkinson, if I remember right. Somewhere I have his business card, too. He gave me that. But. The guy who created Ethereum, or one of them, uh, Vitalik Buterin, if I'm not mistaken, he lives in Toronto, so he's just down the highway from me. I've never met him at a bar or anything, though. Yeah. Well, the guy, one of the guys who started Ethereum is also Charles Hodgkinson. It was one of the same same guys from that team. And he went off and oh, did his own thing. Pretty cool. Yeah. But that was Small fun. world, that cryptocurrency space. <laughs> yeah. 
they were moving everything to Hong Kong when I was talking to him. So he just started up a company and they were doing, um, I think it was gambling sites. They were trying to get something going. And he was talking about smart contracts. And you know what? I don't want to talk about politics or much on here, but I will say this one thing that years ago he was ta- telling me about there's a desire to have a, um, I won't say the VP word phrase, but uh, some kind of uh, unfakeable medical record um, so that you can have a certificate that you sign and says, okay, here's a valid medical record and then I can take it and it's always signed and I can do whatever I want with it. I can move between countries and everything. And uh, he was describing some of that, not that, and we were arguing about whether it was a good idea. You know, it's kind of like a barroom conversation. We're like, eh, you know, here's what would happen. Here's what, but you know, this is back in, I don't know, 2014 or 15 or something like that. So it was, I was thinking about that the last couple of days. Um, actually, ever since Darren O'Neill started mentioning Cardano, I, was, oh, yeah, I remember talking to that guy. He was kind of, you know, was, I guess he was on the inside track. He knew something about what was going on. I don't know. It was, it was a fun story, at least. Yeah, I'd be I'd be a little concerned myself about uh, about like perfectly imperfectly traceable and per- perfectly identifiable stuff like that. Yeah. Now, if you could if you could have the verification with anonymity, that'd be a different story. No. But it's... I mean like I mean like these days it's like we don't need the East German Stasi anymore. We're we're pretty much providing all of this stuff ourselves. And we need to really stop doing that because in the end it's only going to hurt us. He was a good guy to talk to, though, and, and it was always fun to have those kinds of conversations. The, basically, the deal was I was we were drinking beers together, and I would teach him something about radar, and he was teaching me about cryptocurrencies <laughs> to the point where everything I know about it was just whatever he told me, though, that uh, those couple uh, months we were hanging out. Ah, well. That is pretty cool. Let's see what we got. Um, let's see. I've got... Did you hear LeVar Burton got uh, tagged to be a guest host on Jeopardy? No, I didn't, but honestly, thinking about it, I'm not that surprised. Yeah. Uh, I mean, between reading Rainbow and being, uh, and being, uh, Jordy LaForge, he seems, he seems to be the right sort of place to end up in that sort of position. Yeah. I sent you a link in the back channel. It's a, it's actually a, the change.org posi- uh, petition that they went and, uh, put out to try and get him on the show. You can see a lot of people, uh sign that thing wait so then he's not it's just a petition no they they agreed they uh the petition reached the limit and they uh whoever it was so i can't remember what the company that runs jeopardy is um they uh decided that they would do it they don't have a date yet but he's gonna join a couple other people you know george stephanopoulos was one of the the hosts they have robin roberts dave fabar and joe buck I guess in the the queue also, and this petition isn't even up to up to the full amount yet. No, they didn't wait for it to hit that. They they I guess thought it was a good idea and they pulled it early. They just announced it. Yeah. Uh, there was a news article about it too. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I'll I like to. I'll have to. I'll have to keep an eye out for when those episodes show up. I liked uh, Lavar Burton. I got to meet him. Well, I didn't really meet him. I got to. Uh, see him at a comic-con once um comic-con in denver they had uh lavar burton was there 
And I was a little disappointed because he was, you know, it's Jordy LaForge and all this other stuff going on, you know, reading Rainbow. And uh, he spent a lot of time in his talk kind of plugging his app. Ugh. That's just not what I was there for, you know? That's not actually all that surprising, though. I mean, there there is more to him than just uh, than just the Star Trek roles, right? And uh, yeah. that's always been like one of his big things is like the uh, is like the reading education. Yeah, and and so basically, he had an, an audiobook app, which was it's kids' books that are audiobooks, and sometimes there's pictures on the app. You know, it was like kind of yeah. nothing special, but it was just. The the pitch, it was like, this is the best thing ever. It's going to change reading for everyone. You know, I don't know. It's a it's like a paid app. I got to turn the noise gate off. I, I'm continually adjusting it, and it keeps cutting me off, and I don't like it. I'm just going to turn it off. Oh, well, you hear that? That's the sound of the yep. studio. Where, as I adjust the noise gate. <laughs> uh, it's the hammer and the nails. Yeah, just don't fiddle with it so much. That's for after the show. Well, you know, it's, I gotta. We don't do uh, the way that we produce the show. It's just live to tape. I ain't fiddling with. Oh, I was trying shit. to make a dirty joke there. Oh uh, well, it, when I told you, don't make me think. If I have to think, it's not gonna work today. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so speaking of apps and being sick of them, the uh, the experience of moving to Comcast from Verizon uh, is terrible. It's actually uh, completely uh, the opposite of good, <laughs> which I guess is terrible. So I used to have... I think uh, that goes for pretty much all the American ISPs, isn't it? Well, Verizon Fios was fucking great, man. That was 300 uh, megabits per second symmetric. Yeah, but Verizon itself is a pain to deal with, I thought. No, I called them up and I said I want it. And they said, "Okay, it's on. That's it. Oh, Pay the well, bill when it comes good. in the mail." And that's all I wanted to hear. When you go to Comcast, you have to talk to these stupid uh, the people on the phone going, um, "Oh, you know, how many people are going to be playing games? And how how do you uh, how do you stream all your your content?" That's what she asked me. How do you like to stream all your content? And she goes, "Well," I said, "I don't." And she so she goes, "Well, you know, what about you know your Hulu and your Netflix? Do you stream any of that?" And I said, "No, they're run by communists." That's what I told her. She goes, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, "How'd she respond to that?" She was like, "Oh," uh, and she kind of moved on. She dropped the subject. So I, I I realized that calling people communists was a great way to make her move on from the script. And so I did it like five times in the in the the call. I kept making references to it. <laughs> At the end, we just, she finally you know gets it through. She's okay. You go pick up your uh, pick up your modem at this place and everything. I say, have a nice day. She goes, yeah, you too, and uh, watch out for the communists. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> but oh, I want to try this. Yeah, I want to try this now. It's good, and it kind of sets expectations. She knows what you she's gonna get out of you. <laughs> Um, anyway, the, the problem with this, uh, this install, it, even the phone call's annoying, okay, you have to go through all this rigmarole, but then when I went to pick everything up, it's, uh, they're trying to sell me a talking tube, they, then they said, oh, well, we have a, uh, it's like a Hulu Netflix receiver, they say, oh, it's free, so, uh, just put it in your house and, and, uh, you know, you can watch TV through it, you know, it, it's like, no, I'm not going to do that, it has a microphone on it, and you can't control it, it's like, no way, I don't want it, they just said, well, it's free, just take it, no, and I had to tell him, like, four times, I don't want this, before he, uh, would just put it back behind the counter, it's just super annoying, 
Anyway, to turn on the modem, guess what the instructions are? All of the printed instructions are to access, to activate your new uh, Xfinity service, download our app. <laughs> it, it obviously wow. do that. Wow! So, so let's, say, let's say you're somebody like me who has a flip phone, and so there is no app, there is no app downloading going on at all. Or if what so if then I just, I just would app? not be able to. I would just not be able to use Comcast internet. That's retarded. Well, I didn't download the app. What you have to know how to do is uh, is. It turns out there's a little label underneath it where you, which has, you know, the default information on it. But it's not in any of the literature. And I actually went through all of the stuff that's printed. You know, with the the stock photography of happy people. I don't know sitting around the TV watching net or playing with their phones instead of talking to each other, that kind of stuff. All the promotional oh. material mentions an app you had to know to look for um, kind of on the underside. There's a little, little panel that has some default stuff on it where you can actually access the router through the local Wi-Fi without, uh, without uh, downloading their bulk shit, which is, you know, it's another app I don't want. Yeah, this is this is why I don't even bother with the instructions whenever there's any sort of network or hardware. I just look at the device itself and generally I know what to do and how to access it. Yep. And but I mean, people like us who can actually do this sort of thing are are in the minority. Well, on the Unfortunately, the uh, the last bit, here's the last part of my story, I swear. I know everyone wants to hear about me setting up routers and uh, running cables through my empty apartment. Um, the last part is, on the new apartment, I got everything in. I get, get the connector. I'm ready to plug the coax into the wall. And I realized, just as I was doing this, this is probably uh, 15 minutes before I started the stream. You know, I'm just, just getting ready to, to go. That when the painters painted this apartment, they painted over the shield contacts of the of the coax. You know the threads on the out, outer conductor. They actually painted over it with latex paint, like morons. So ah. fucking idiots. So I have a connector care kit. I've got to get some. Uh, I've got to get some solvent or something, and and s actually clean that stupid thing. But. Uh, I'm, well, I'm it's latex glad. paint, so you can probably get rid of it with uh, water and rubbing alcohol. So I have that. I haven't done it yet, but I have rubbing alcohol, and I also have naphtha. And I want to try that. That's been a pretty good solvent for a bunch of random stuff, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that, too. <laughs> That's one of those petroleum distillates. It's, uh, what's naphtha? Um, in the, the tower? Naphtha burns well. Yeah, it's uh, it's the same, you know, the the petroleum distillate tower. It's just one of the taps. It's the one below acetone, right? So the hottest stuff comes out at the uh, with or with the lowest boiling point comes out at the bottom. I'm sorry, with the highest boiling point comes out at the bottom. So like for the first tap up is like motor oil, and then further up they have, you know, all these other things, gasoline, and then they have uh, at one point there's there's naphtha, which is just a petroleum distillate, and then the one above it is acetone. I think is up at the top. You know, the stuff that basically evaporates at room temperature. But it's a pretty cool solvent. Yeah. Use it for a lot of stuff. Also illegal in California. Probably because it's so flammable. <laughs> yeah. You can light it up with a... Uh, and we yes, know that they have a problem there with things burning. Yes, indeed. <laughs> all right, so that was it. That's my whole, uh, that's my whole story about Comcast and, uh, and all that bullshit. All right. 
So, I've got some things to say about anime today. Yeah, I, by the way, I don't have anything. I, I didn't watch a single thing since last time. I didn't have anything oh, to watch okay. it until well, now. Well, then, I'll try not to try not to spoil anything, but I will say that in 86, my assumptions that I had stated in the last episode were absolutely incorrect. She knows... And it seems like most people know that the 86s are actual people. They just consider them not human. So now we've got, like, some fantastic racism shit going on in the story with the supposed good guys fighting against the Empire. Yep. And the other thing is, is you should keep watching uh, Nagatoro, because the fir the first episode, yes, it was absolute shit. The second episode is a lot more to what to what I was expecting out of it. It's less it's less bully because being a cunt and more and more like <laughs> cute bullying to hide that I have a crush on someone sort of behavior. Okay. Well, that was the appeal of the manga, which was, it was kind of, she was mean to him, but in a kind of cute way. Yeah. And that's what comes through with the second episode. No. Huh? Okay. Well, I'll give it another chance then, but no more after that. It, it, I wasn't a big, a giant fan of the manga anyway. I read a little bit of it. But well, I in, keep reading it. Yeah. 86 is still good though, then. Oh yeah. 86 is still good. Yeah. I tried to, uh, I got a copy of, uh, of the uh, next episode, but I haven't watched it because I took all my speakers apart <laughs> right after Hog Story and, uh, and uh, didn't have audio. I guess I could have watched it with subtitles, but I didn't have audio. Till today! Without audio, like, even if you got subtitles, you got to have the audio still. Oh, yeah. Makes it. And plus for a high the production value show. I mean, the sound, the sound of stuff, right, is is like a huge part of the mood making for any sort of visual media mm. really or any sort of like well any any sort of animated visual media like there there's a reason why they always had somebody playing the piano during the during the silent film era right or having a player piano set up with a with a soundtrack to go through it oh yeah and that's because that's because that's because you need that sort of background when when you're watching this stuff to to really get to really get the em emotional cues happening. Mm -hmm. And I think th I think even the earliest uh, filmmakers realized that yeah, you need to have some sort of backing audio, even if it's not something that comes on the film, right? Yep, absolutely. It's a uh... The, the study everyone always points to, and I, I still can't remember who did the original study, was uh, all about they, uh, they would test audiences and have them grade the, uh, the quality of the picture and the quality of the experience of watching different movies. And in one setup, they had a simple stereo speaker, and then the other one, they had a uh, just hi-fi setup with uh, the you know, high-fidelity reproduction, you know, sound reproduction system. And what people yeah. would grade is... They wouldn't grade that the audio was better. They'd grade the picture was better, which was always the fun takeaway from that. Even though the picture was the same, they perceived it to be better because of the uh, because of the uh, high quality audio. Yeah, and that's why, like for me, it's like I'm not going to watch something if it's muted. I wanna I wanna hear it 
as much or maybe even more than see it. Yeah, and sound effects matter too, you know? Like, just like back here. We're putting the studio together. <laughs> All right, we got, uh, we got some potato news. Just a little potato news. Oh, sweet. Um, sweet potatoes? Potatoes. 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 Uh, we've got Smith's. Potatoes, potatoes. The Smith's uh, potato brand, uh, potato chip brand, which I believe is an Australia, uh, Australian brand. Yeah, I've got Australia's oldest and most iconic chip brand, Smith's, is celebrating 90, its 90th birthday. And apparently... 90 I've, years of Australian potato chips, eh? Yeah. And they're bringing back a bunch of old mascots and stuff, and so we're waiting for them to sh do this, I don't know, event or commercial or something. It doesn't really say when. The uh, the thing is, but they, they're bringing back a, a mascot character, and I wasn't aware of any of the mascot characters for these, but this one is called the Gobbledock. The Gobbledock. The Gobbledock. I'm going to send you the link on Potato Pro. You're, you're going to have to... Yeah, you're going to need to because, like... We don't have that shared What notes. kind of crazy Australian word is that? It's like a... You know the Noid? Did you ever see No, I don't. Oh, uh, it was an old uh, no, pizza oh, commercial where you had... You get annoyed if you were hungry, and so you avoid the Noid. Then they actually had the Noid was a little, uh, uh, like, character who would, I don't know, cause trouble in these stupid commercials. So they was, avoid the Noid, you know? And then... The uh, actually that ad campaign was interesting because I believe was it Domino's Pizza? Uh, I have to look it up so I get it right. Oh my god! The Noid. It ended after some guy named Noid thought it was about him and took hostages at the pizza parlor. <laughs> the Noid. Common no Ninja Hanamaru, Mass Ninja Hanamaru, two D action platform game. Developed by Now Production, published by Capcom for the NES, localized in the United States as Yo Noid. Yes, I was wondering where you're going with that. Yo Noid. I sent you the uh, a link to what it really is. There's the Noid. He's got the pizza crusher. I guess he's crushing the pizza. It was Domino's. Yeah, it was a Domino's bit. Uh, Domino's. Yeah. Yeah. There was a guy named Noid who went into a. Uh, uh, Domino's restaurant with a gun in the, I don't know. He told them the Domino's chain stole his name and he wanted a uh, hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And so they stopped running the commercials after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Noid. But they don't have the Noid in Australia. They have the Gobbledock, which I, I looked up some pictures of this stupid thing. It looks like, you know, the same kind of stupid uh, TV character. Chippies. You're going to have to get pictures for it because I can't share notes right now. Yeah. I, I need to open all my ports on the uh, – because I now have a piece of Comcast equipment between my stuff and the internet. Uh, I have to go and open all those ports, and to do that, I have to – I don't know what the hell I have to do. It's not obvious. Um I have to go figure out how, how that is to be done. And so I I can't share show notes and or even do anything. Uh, I can't even stream music from my uh, my server now. So all my ports are closed. You open those ports, damn you! You know, that's one of the re reasons why I don't want to have cable internet. Because it's a lot more of a pain in the ass than DSL for all that stuff with DSL you can actually get a static IP assignment which you can't with cable 
Yep. I'm, I think I'm, if I never have to have cable again, I'm never going to have it. It's such a, it's such a lackluster way to get high speed internet. And now after having Fios, it's like, wow, why don't we have this everywhere? It's just really, really simple. And it doesn't have all the problems that come with NBC universal Comcast. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, here's another game. Avoid the Noid for MS-DOS and Commodore 64, oh published in 1989. Avoid the Noid. Developed by Blue Sky Software, which sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure I've seen other games of theirs. On mm. the, Yeah, they did the Jurassic Park game on the Genesis. That's where I know them from. Hmm. Well, we had uh, some uh, podcasts going on. We kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the show. Uh, that I was on Hog Story back uh, last Thursday. Yep. We had our uh, episode 175 chance bump in, and that was pretty fun. Uh, it was great to be back in the smoker with uh, John and Carolyn and talking about uh, random stuff, whatever came up. Uh, it was a pretty fun episode. I enjoyed listening to it. Yeah, I, I just was enjoying being there. I think we lost track of time and went long, so... Yeah, and John Carolyn, I appreciate it. It's always fun to be back in the smoker. Um, since then, they had episode 176, Stub Up, and that was uh, just released on 420, though. I think they re recorded on 419. Um, we had Grumpy Old Ben's had on 419, episode 153, Gas, 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 and I didn't listen to any of this, so I need a report from you on it. I wasn't able to really listen to all of it myself because of work meetings. Yeah. So, no one knows. Uh, if, I need to I need to listen. Like, I was there for the first bit of the episode, but uh, I need to go back to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. If, if you or someone you know listens to Grumpy Old Ben's episode 153, send an email to, uh, what is it, Abel at hogstory.net? Or is it Abel Kirby? Abel, Abel Kirby at uh, rareencounter.net I told you don't make me think and if, her, if you've heard anything on any of these podcasts that you want to complain about call Hug Story at 430-201-HUG-1 <laughs> operators are not standing by Yeah, uh, man I just can't imagine I'm having so many problems with packet loss right now I'm sure that this whole thing is, uh, is going to be trash when it comes to audio I, I don't even care uh, but I'm going to call and complain uh, to Hogstore. I'm going to call in and complain about the audio on Rare Encounter. Because I, I think that's the thing to do. Uh, what else? We yeah, <laughs> our audio is not very good. We did have some uh, some fun stuff. I had Nick the Rat. Uh, last week he was he had a show. I forget what it was. Was it Revealing or something? He had... Uh, something I, like that. Exposing. He had... Uh, I actually got to listen to it. His RSS seemed like it was working this time. And he had a uh, guy who was supposed to be scheduled in uh, to talk about the time he was abducted by aliens. And he had a whole sequence of clips, but he couldn't make it. And so it was just Nick was like, yeah, he said I could run the clips anyway. So it was kind of a weird show. And, you know, with Nick the Rat, it's like, wow, was there even a you guy You know in the why first he place? couldn't make it? <laughs> why? He got abducted again. Yes! <laughs> That's the sound he made. <laughs> That's the sound he made when he was abducted. Yeah. yeah. I, we had uh, another show that I listened to last night. I actually listened to this uh, while well, I was moving boxes all, all uh, evening uh, yesterday. They had 
Abs in a Six Pack had uh, one of my favorite pairings, actually. It was Abs in a Six Pack and Dean Reiner of the Up and Down Podcast doing part three. And the way they made this episode, it, it, it sounded like it was going to be part three of three, but by the time they got to the end of it, it sounded like it was going to be part three of four because they still had, you know, hours of material to go through. But there was Dean Reiner and Chris from uh, Sir Seat Sitter from Abs in a Six Pack talking about Dog Man. And the dog man mythos. Dog man. The, the dog man. And, uh, you know, it's kind of Bigfoot cryptid stuff. And they had a, just so many good stories. It's always good to hear these stories about people, you know, the, the weird shit that they experienced when they were out in the woods or, you know, uh, doing other things. It's, it's uh, th- there's a really great story in, in there. Uh, if you listen to that episode about Dean, he's telling a story about when he was in Spokane, Washington, and... Uh, uh, had a, an experience where he thought he was laying in a pile of dead horses. And it's fucking the... It is... It's worth what? listening to. Yeah. Anytime these two guys get together, it's a great episode. So. That's what I'll say about that. All right. Yeah. And that that's all the podcasts I had on the rundown. I, I didn't get to listen to much at all. Um, but I, I caught some of that live. Well, you got quite a bit there anyways. Oh, yeah. yeah. I try. So what do you got on the rundown? What do you got for me? So, first first off, let me just pull it up here. Uh, bugger, bugger, bugger. Oh, here we go. University of Minnesota is now organization on non-gratia when it comes to the Linux kernel. Uh-oh. Yeah. So apparently, a while ago, there were there were a couple of professors at uh, at UMN who did a who did a research paper on on inserting inserting bugs into the kernel on purpose stealthily on the DL. And then, yeah, pretty much. They published a paper called "On the Feasibility of Stealthily Introducing Vulnerabilities in Open Source Software via Hypocrite Commits." And, and then you're going to have to explain they what a started sending commit an, is. Yeah, because I don't know what a that hypocrite is. Hypocrite commit, I I suppose, is what they're calling like a a, a an open source or a software commit, a code commit that is uh, that is like adding insecurity. On purpose. Yeah, here we go. In this paper, we instead investigate the insecurity of OSS from a critical perspective. The feasibility of stealthily introducing vulnerabilities in OSS via hypocrite commits, i.e. seemingly beneficial commits that in fact introduce other critical issues. Uh-huh. They trick so, you. It's a spoonful of sugar. It helps yeah, the medicine so, go down. And so, some further, some further patches came in this week being sent in by a PhD student there at UMN and with that one of the one of the top contributors and maintainers of the kernel Greg Koa Hartman said like that's enough of this bullshit we are not accepting any more not accepting any more patches from anyone at UMN and in fact they're going back and reverting everything that had originally been contributed from the university. You know, I have as a, well. I have a clip of them doing the reversion actually. You want to hear it? What? Sure. What? what? 
That was it. That was three of them. What? 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 There's three more. Yeah. Well, you've got another. Got another. What was it like? Uh, <laughs> another 187. Just just for the ones that were easily reversible. The ones that. Uh, the ones that don't require further work. To pull them out and replace them. Well, you know, that's kind of uh, it's kind of like a not a very neighborly thing to do to say I'm working on your code and and, uh, you know, purposefully, you know, rekeying locks or, you know, kind of finding ways to sneak into the uh, sneak into his garage while you're while you're saying you're over there helping him clean, you know? Oh, there's been an update since I since I started following this. A associate department head at. Uh, at the university has responded to the whole controversy staying saying that the research method used raised serious concerns in the Linux kernel community and as of today this has resulted in the university being banned from contributing to the Linux kernel we take this situation extremely seriously we have immediately suspended this line of research. We will investigate the research method and the process by which this research method was approved, determine appropriate remedial action, and safeguard against future issues if needed. We will report our findings back to the community as soon as practical. Hmm. Now, here's something that I noted on, uh, on No Agenda Social when I first found out about this whole situation. The professors behind that paper yeah are both are both from china huh and i'm wondering if this is something that might actually might be a type of research that is that is being like asked for by the ccp well that's possible you know they want to get into everything and and you know see what it's going to take to uh you know, I, I could imagine them wanting to do something like that. Say, so what would well, it take imagine to, to all the all and... the governments that uh, that use Linux even on like their on like their regular working PCs workstations, right? Like, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of governments in Europe from the municipal level up that do that, right? And so and so kernel vulnerabilities in Linux that could possibly be used by Chinese spy agencies so that they can slurp down all that information, right? Like, this is this is a great course of action for them to take. The surprising thing is, is them being, like, this blatant about it, where they have, like... A couple, a couple of their nationals working as professors at an American university in a time where there is a lot of, uh, where there's a lot of negative attention towards China in, uh, in most political circles that don't involve the Democratic Party, right? Like, mm -hmm. this is like, you know, it's like you walk, you walk up to someone, punch them in the fucking face sort of blatant behavior. Hmm. So it actually makes me wonder if, if maybe this isn't actually that, isn't actually that maybe, maybe even approaching from the other angle, they're doing this sort of research to show like how easy it might be for a state actor to pull this sort of thing off. Either way, it gives me the fucking chills. Yeah. Because you know, because you know that China and probably also Russia and other other countries with governments 
that are anti-freedom are already doing this sort of research, trying to figure out how to how to put in vulnerabilities that they can exploit without even having to hack the software, like no cracker sort of work that you'd have to do for like finding zero days in in Windows or Mac OS, right? When you can actually put in the vulnerabilities you want directly in open source software that people are using. Yeah, and, and you know, it's a good thing the U.S. isn't vulnerable to anything like this. You know, uh, they can't. No one can introduce an update into into the U.S. infrastructure um, because it all runs on Windows XP. Ooh, <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to push one of those updates. No support. Ah, looks like you can't. Oh, try, oh, try again. Speaking of which, speaking of speaking of Windows XP, that that's a nice little segue onto something else that I've got. Hmm. I'm sending you the link on the back channel. Oh boy, linky but linky. How about a way to like really freak people out and making them think that their computer has suddenly gone back to Windows XP and <laughs> oh, even BSOD? Uh oh. Yeah. Wow. Click here to start. Click yeah. here to continue. So this is cool. This is like a um, a faux Windows XP. It's got Bliss as the uh, the wallpaper. Let's see. We got Winamp. Winamp. Yep. Really whips the llama's ass. Minesweeper. Yeah. Where's the uh, Where's the llama MP3? It should be in there. <sighs> well, it's not in there. Yeah, it's not. Oh, well. Shit happens. Yeah, what you want to do, what you want to do with this is you load this <laughs> up on some on somebody's computer, then you unplug their keyboard and mouse, right, after hitting F11 <clears throat> so it goes full screen. And then just watch them freak out when yeah. they come back to their computer. If you open up command prompt and type anything, it uh, it says warning: all data, all data on drive C will be lost. And it says formatting C. <laughs> if you type anything, uh oh, I just funny. got a blue screen of death. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and it goes and it reboots with a Dell boot screen. Oh, with a Dell boot. I like this. Yeah, it's fun. And they've got a they've got a bunch of other similar pranks as well. They've got like Mac OS one and like there there's a few others on there that are that are pretty neat to look at. I'll tell you what, it has a working. They've got they've got the they've got from Jurassic Park like the computer security the security computer screen from Jurassic Park. They got the Matrix rain. They got a BIOS screen. FBI lock. Yeah. Oh, geez. I lost Minesweeper. It actually oh, has no. it has functioning Minesweeper built in, so that's a, that's a plus. Yeah, it, it's actually functional. Apparently, so is Tetris. Hmm. What else do we have? Do you we can have... actually play the Tetris, too. Oh, I got a blue screen. Ah! I lost. Ah! Oh, well, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, I got the Dell boot screen. Oh, that's fun. That's a fun one. Yeah. There's a there's a similar other site out there, Windows93.net, which provides you with like a kind of Windows95 website, like hmm. implementation. It's loading, loading. It's got Half Life Three. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know you're pulling my leg. Yeah, <laughs> there's 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 an icon on here. 
totally not a virus. Trust me, I'm a dolphin. Trust me. <laughs> What's it? Wait a minute. What's it say? Totally not a virus. Trust me, I'm a dolphin. All right, <laughs> that's great. Right next to oldest gif of the interweb. <laughs> gif. Is it a dancing baby? I don't know. I haven't opened it. Oh. Uh, I'm stuck. No, I'm it stuck is not BIOS. a dancing baby. You know, I'm stuck in BIOS. I can't do anything. Yeah, just close the tab and open up Windows93.net. Oh, that's what I did. That's what there I mean. There's no BIOS on this one. Well, that's what I got. Not I got that I saw. Windows93.net. It's stuck. <laughs> it's, I'm, my fake computer is stuck in the fake BIOS and I can't play my fake games with it. <laughs> the library hacked my, what was, the, the library blocked my password. My password. My password was blocked. There's also hamster on here, pony jockey, cat explorer, virtual girl. Cat explorer? What's that like? Progress quest! What what kind of cat? Is this like the, what is it, the greatest adventure? Is it that you fly and explore the, the cat? What's I don't cat know. I, I'm starting it, and it's... Well, hey, nobody told me it was going to be this way. Bravo. Yeah, uh, there we go. Well, let's check in on the studio. Let's see what's going on. Let's see. Uh, oh, there's still some work going on back there. I, let's see. Yeah, it's still being made. Okay. Work in progress. Yeah. Uh, that's fun stuff, though. I like those emulated... Uh, you know, the old operating system uh, emulation, even if it's like fake, you know, the uh, like, um, what was it? Digital, a love story. That was fun with the uh, the old fake where it's uh, like, computer interface. Where it's like the Amiga OS one sort of interface. Yeah. And at the uh, what what happens in it? You've, you have to hack into a power plant to save the world or something like that. It's, no, no, no. I, I'm. Wasn't you, that what happened? You grow, you grow like emotionally attached to an AI, and then you find out about like the secret AI world that's going on behind the scenes or something. Oh yeah, there was that was a fun one. Um, I it was a, it it was very enjoyable actually. Yeah, Christine Love. I met Christine Love once. Yeah, you were on a panel with her, weren't you? Uh, at uh, I don't Anime think North? she was on the panel. I don't think she was on the panel, but... Uh, oh, that's right. You were on the panel, and uh, she was around. I was on the panel. Yeah, I remember She that. was around. There was, a there was a dinner that did either later that day or the night before where with me and the panelists, and she was there. Oh, yeah. It was nice yeah. networking. Well, uh, speaking... Going to games... Actually, before we go to games, I will say that I have a nice... Uh, Amiga emulation setup. Mm -hmm. I've even got like office apps on there. So now I have like an organizer program. I got a word processor, database program, and spreadsheet. So I could actually start doing like all the stuff I want inside that emulator if I wanted to. I'm not going to, but I mean, it's all there so I could. And if I just want to like get away from all the modern computer bullshit, I can do just that. You know, normal database programming isn't annoying enough 
What I want to do is build a database program inside an emulated uh, old computer. Well, actually, the thing is, it's like, you know, access and stuff, right? And that's been around since, like, early days of, uh, of like, Windows 3, right? Yeah. It's it's something like that. You create You create, like, your forms where you put in the data and it, like, stores everything for you. There's actually a more modern uh, program for that, like that, for Amigas, both for classic and for modern, well, what's called modern, the power PC-based stuff, called a MUI base. Mm. But the one that I'm using is, like, much older. And I like it. I think I've, I'll probably start posting uh, screenshots at some point on any social. So here's a trivia question for you. Uh, when you know SQL, right? SQL databases. When? What year yeah, did, was the first time they appeared? SQL, I think, appeared sometime either in the late seventies or early nineties. Although the well, that's a although it was like it was an IBM thing that yes. eventually got standardized. Yeah, you know the, the answer. First, the first version of the standard, if I'm not mistaken, one is. SQL 92. The it was made by IBM in the 1970s is what I know. And I know there's stuff before the 90s. They had uh Mita says 74. E, that sounds right. I know it was in the 1970s, but and I was surprised that it uh it um went back that far. I guess I shouldn't be. When you think about it, that's sort oh, of yeah. a basic thing that you would need, but yeah. A little bit of trivia. Okay, so I was wrong about SQL 92 being the uh, being the first standardized version. The original standardized SQL was SQL 86 out of out of the American National Standards Institute and uh, and furthered by the ISO in 1987. Hmm. For the longest time, SQL 92 was what everybody was hitting. It's only been like the more modern standards of the language have only been seeing like actual use in the last uh, 10 to 15 years. But like even today, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of database engines that advertise. Yeah, we, we have all of SQL 92 and you can just ignore everything newer than that. For example, SQL light, it yeah. only supports SQL 92 we have a few extra extensions here and there to to support non-standardized stuff that it includes, like their modules for full text search and the like that yeah. are custom code that you build in with it, right? Yeah, I, that's what I've been developing in lately. I mentioned to you, I can't remember if it was on the show one or, once or twice, I've been doing a tiny bit of database development, dipping my toe in, and that's what I've been using as SQLite. It's kind of fun. It's... It's, it's, a, it's a pretty it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good database engine desktop database engine right yeah let's see I think there's a database construction going on behind me let's see yeah he's building that database he's building he's building that table uh oh I think yeah. I think he's gonna drop the table building tables uh oh <sighs> no 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 he didn't drop the table he saved the table. Oh, that's right. good. That's good. The table's been saved. How's the view? <laughs> the view uh, in the apartment. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. The view. <laughs> 
I'm still learning all those. You know, I don't. I don't have all this memorized uh, yet. Still working on it. So now moving on to video games. Now moving on to video games. What everyone is talking about. By everyone, I mean us. Now. I saw this. I saw this just a just a few hours ago on the English Amiga board. Okay. Somebody has somebody has taken the data from the uh, from the Atari ST version of Dungeon Master and and with reverse engineering figured out all the logic and everything and created a C sharp in C sharp a multiplayer version of Dungeon Master. So now on Windows you can play Dungeon Master with someone else and keep in mind this was a uh, this was like a ran- random first person view dungeon game, right? Mm-hmm. A blobber. Blobber. That was for one person and now and now you actually can have like multiple people playing on the same in the same dungeon level going around encountering each other probably even like fighting and killing each other this was pretty cool to see yeah it's um that that i found really really neat because i mean first of all it's it's a real classic game dungeon master and then having having like the ability to play it with other people that's pretty neat stuff that's pretty neat yeah, I'm trying to get a, a picture of this thing so I can uh, refresh my memory for what it looks like. I'm sure I've seen it before. It's just a uh... dungeon master. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. There's packet loss problems in the studio, <laughs> and so I'm su- honestly surprised that our call hasn't dropped yet. So, knock on wood. Yeah. Games. I sent you. I sent you a, sent you a picture link of the of the game. Yeah, it's probably better. The Atari ST version of it at that. Oh, yeah, I have seen pictures. The of Amiga before. version looks better though, I think. And it's more featured. It has it has more sound and everything to it. Hmm. Oh yeah. I that was the one that was one of the game related things I've gotten. The rest of my topics are all related to related to video games as well, one way or another. And the first, the first one is related to games, in the uh, in the sense of electrical engineering. Uh huh. So this is this is an article I found this I found this earlier in the week on Hacker News. Power consumption of Game Boy flash cartridges. <laughs> yeah. I saw this link. Uh, you sent it to me, and I didn't read it. Yeah. So it's it's pretty neat. So this guy he took uh, he took a number of uh, cartridges for for the Game Boy and tested them out. And we're talking like we're talking like classic and Game Boy Color, right? The ones that have the original cartridge shape and everything, and can be used with the original or with the color. Mm-hmm. Because you could actually take at least some Game Boy Color games. You could play in a classic uh, Game Boy as well, just you don't have the color in that case. And so he took he took genuine Tetris cartridge from '97, a genuine and reproduction Pokemon Blue, okay, genuine Wario Land Two, and a number of uh, a number of flash carts, EverDrive GB, EverDrive GB X Five. Easy Flash Junior, 
EMS-64, and a number of cartridges of his own design. Yeah. And because there's this whole thing where people think that if it's not an original, uh, an original proper Game Boy cartridge from Nintendo, the power they'll just like drain the batteries. And it actually turns out that that generally isn't the case. The most of the cartridges had uh, had like similar similar power profiles to them. Except for except for a couple of uh, outliers, the EverDrive GB mm-hmm. and the Easy Flash Junior are both like battery killers in the sense that uh, they they on startup alone use like twice the twice the amount of input power that a uh, Game Boy would otherwise use. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the the cartridges that this guy designed himself tended to be within by the look of it like very very close if not matching or under what the what the original cartridges, the genuine cartridges would use. So he he took Tetris, he took the Tetris ROM and he took the Wario Land 2 ROM and he took the Pokemon Blue ROMs and he put them on the on the different flash cartridges for testing as well to see how things would line up and yeah generally generally his would line up pretty close to the genuine cartridges the repo cartridge for pokemon blue actually was better than the genuine one because for one thing it didn't it didn't use the uh, battery-backed save RAM, but instead used uh, instead used flash memory for for saving the game data. And for some re- and for some reason, that work actually lowered the power consumption for when the cartridge is plugged in. Yeah. So, so yeah, he actually has like all the data for this. You can see like you can see the pretty charts that show you the actual the actual power consumption over time. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he based this on the fact that there's um there's a point it looks like between one and three seconds of the uh, maybe one and four seconds from when you flip the switch on, where uh, everything gets energized and is kind of in a steady state before the game actually starts. Because once the game starts, um, you know, power consumption could be chaotic. It depends on the yeah. state well, of the there, game. There's the origin- there's there's a section right at the beginning where all of the uh, all of the carts have the same power draw. Or, uh, or or they're all doing the exact same thing, which is the well, first because, couple seconds because after that's it starts there, Because that's there even when you don't have a cartridge plugged in, that's just that's this initial inrush of current. Right? And it drops it drops like uh, in milliseconds almost. And then there's a little spike when the processor is released from the reset state, at which point it it more or less baselines until you get the cha ding sound. And and the device comes out of BIOS to start the actual game. Mm. So that's what that that's what that first uh, four seconds or so is, right? But it seems that when you have a cartridge when you have a cartridge in, right, there is still additional power draw, even though it's not really doing much with the cartridge at that point. 
Or that's what I understand from it. It So every single chip, if you look at the... I, I really like these Pokemon Blue original and reproduction because you can see that the actual uh, circuitry has changed. And you can see how much it shrunk after so many years, you know. Just look at how wide wide apart these pins are on the top, the genuine Pokemon Blue from 1998. And then you look at the reproduction and look how close the pins are there. That's kind of generally where all the technology has gone. It's, get, it's gotten smaller, it's gotten low effic uh, better efficiency, and it's also generally dropped in voltage. Now you can't change the voltage of a Pokemon cartridge because it still has to be compatible with the original Game Boy or, or the Game Boy Color, right? Yeah, but, but it, the, for one thing, it doesn't it doesn't have the it doesn't have like the space needed for for the bat for the battery and for having an always powered RAM on there, right? Instead, it's got a it's got a flash it's got a flash RAM, it's got the ROM, and it's got a little bit of circuitry to hook it all up. But you can also see, like on the Repro cart, those aren't the those aren't the uh, those aren't the gold fingers. Right, and you can see that the spacing for them is slightly different. There's actually like more space between each finger, so the, like the fingers themselves are narrower on the repro cart. Oh yeah, so you don't have as much of a contact. The all of those circuits that are in the original um, cart, like there's little you see little resistors. Maybe I think that looks like a capacitor there. All the SMT stuff that's external. You know, it's just different components. All that has a current draw associated with it because it's like, I think these are two resistors and they're probably set up to bias some pin, right? And so you would have a current yeah. draw just from the fact that, uh, just depending on how the board's laid out. Now, when you go to the reproduction, it seems like it should be more efficient because now you've taken all that circuitry and instead of having, you know, discrete components on a board, everything's inside an integrated circuit. So it should be small and it should be as efficient as possible, <laughs> And so let's see. Well, there's still that there's still that semicircle thing in the little pads on either side of it. Yeah. Right. That looks like it might be it might be something that still has somewhat somewhat of an extra draw because it does look like it's connected some somehow to the rest of the system. I thought that was where the battery would go if you had a battery. Maybe, but I mean that's what it looks like. That's oh yeah, that does that does look like. Uh, does look like you can have battery contacts on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm looking Maybe at Maybe it's just the the PCB itself is is designed for that possibility even though it doesn't need one because it's got the flash it's mm -hmm. got the flash on there. And, and so the current draw from the board should happen as soon as you bias the board and it shouldn't have to wait for it shouldn't have to wait to access memory on the board or anything just by turning it on you should get an idea of you know, before the CPU on the Game Boy even starts to figure out if there's a cartridge inserted, voltage appears on some terminals, two of the fingers on the uh, the cart, and starts to bias all these different things and wake it up. And so that's what I think he's measuring in this first three or four seconds. And if I look at... The Wario card as well, by the look of it. I, I'm just looking at the Pokemon Blue Genuine, and it looks like it has a little bit higher power draw than the reproduction, which makes sense. I mean, just looking at it, that's exactly what I would, would expect to happen. But yeah, oh, this is kind of cool, though. I like that he actually presents the data. That doesn't happen enough. Yeah, you look at the you look at the ones that have the uh, worst power performance, the Easy Flash Junior and the Classic EverDrive GB, and you can see yeah. like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of other additional circuits. There's some definite resistors there, like the flat type of resistor that just like. Yeah, it's uh, the, uh, like you know the sort. They 
they come in the they come in the tube, right? And you just like plop them in place. Oh, the SMT ones, SMT resistors. Yeah, yeah. So you can tell, like, yeah, there's oh four oh six. There is definitely going to be there's definite draw happening on those on those boards. Yeah, I used to have to solder like the was it the oh four oh six size stupid things. I that's a nightmare. You have to do it under a microscope. It's a pain in the ass. I never want to do it again. But yeah, that that uh, what was it? The EverDrive, the EverDrive Game Boy cart draws the same amount of power as everything else, including like the screen and the CPU that's in the in the actual Game Boy. So it's like half the power yeah. is going in the Game Boy, the other half is going into the damn cart. Wow, that's terrible. Everything else, it's yeah. it's a fraction. If you can even well, see no, the difference. Well, no, the the Easy Flash Junior is is actually even worse on startup. Because at least, at least with the EverDrive G GB, oh, geez. when it go when it goes uh, when it goes flat, right, it's still below the the peak of the initial uh, inrush. Whereas the Easy Flash Junior, <laughs> other than like one weird drop followed by followed immediately by like a rise, right, is yeah. above that at all times. There's something switching on there. There's some switch that gets flipped. You know, it's something charges up and there's a switch that gets flipped right there. There's something crazy yeah. transient in there. Jeez, Louise, that's terrible. Yeah, so definitely not ones that you want to use. Oh, uh, well. For, for running Tetris for about 25 seconds, the relative power consumption versus, versus the genuine cart for the EverDrive GB, 120%. You know, th this is what's going to happen so in the. If you if, if you use that to play Tetris, you've got you've got less than half the battery life you would with the genuine cart. The, the what's going to happen in the apocalypse is it's, this is this will become important because you'll there'll be like the last Game Boy with the last double A's inside it, so you have to conserve the power, and we'll have Cold Acid the King on on his throne going. Well, so we'll have to beg, please, can I play one battle? Can I play one battle? Yes, but only with the repo cartridge. We can't waste the good juice on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. So before we wrap up, I've got one other one other piece of news, game-related and Windows-related. Oh, yeah? And that's the latest Windows 10 update has accidentally ruined PC gaming performance, according to BC Games Then I don't... I, I completely believe this. <laughs> I don't even need to see it. I, yeah. I, I believe it. V-Sync issues, frame drops, BSODs, and it doesn't matter if you've got an Intel or AMD CPU or an NVIDIA or AMD graphics card. Yeah, these, late, these latest ones seem to be real bad if you're a gamer and one of the sad things is one of the knowledge base items for these new for these new patches is leet kb5001337 you'd think you'd think one with leet in its number would be great for gaming but no microsoft won't have it that way well we gotta show those gamer bros who's boss they think that's theirs well, it's ours now. We're going to make it lame. Just to show him. Damn you, Bill Gates. <laughs> just to show him who's boss. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's just the way things go these days. It started with 
the Lime and, uh, remember the Lime scooters when they rolled out and, uh, they just, it, they didn't ask anyone's permission. They started showing up in cities. It's just do so it and ask questions those never, later. Those never actually happened up here. That's the same thing. The same thing happened with the stupid hoverboards. I saw, it, I they saw think, those fucking things when my brother and I went to Gen Con back in, would that been, that would have been 20. 19 the bird bikes yeah the fucking the fucking just all over the street like every corner you see like you see like here's one there's a couple at the other across the intersection right like people just use them and just dropping them all over the place so that's the start that's the that's the future uh and that was the first volley now we have Nothing needs to be tested. Just put it out and see what happens. We have clean feed adding headphones icons when we don't want them. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we're, we're going to put out a product and uh, we'll worry about if it's safe or blows up under your feet, uh, you know, later after the Christmas sales, uh, after those checks are already cash. It just seems like the way things All are going. stupid things stumbling around in front of us like so many homeless people in L.A. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the things I... I like the place where I started staying after that first year at uh, Anime Expo, but the problem the problem with it is, is that it's not in the best neighborhood, and you have to you have to walk through like all these areas like filled with homeless people if you take certain streets because like it's just not it's just not the right side of town. It's the wrong side of the highway. Where I've been, uh, where I was staying after the first year. It wasn't the roadway the in, year, was it? The hotel I was in was great because I, the first that first year, right? I was in the Biltmore for Christ's sakes. Yeah. But when I when I went to book room for the following year, and I saw that they not they did not have a convention rate that year, and that the regular room rate for what's assen what's essentially like just an empty space with a bed in the middle is five hundred fucking dollars. So I was oh, like, that's crazy. Yeah, no, I'm not paying that. So the place I got about hundred fifty dollars a night. It's about the same distance away, but it's on the other side of the highway from the convention center, and you're walking through like areas that. Must be must have reeked for decades of hobo piss. Yeah, is it down West Olympic Boulevard? I presume that's yeah. what you're talking. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I once stayed at a hotel down that way, <laughs> and now I stay at the Sheridan. When I go to LA, I stay at that uh, the Sheridan Tower, and it costs more, but you know it's it's in the right neighborhood. <laughs> it's not bad. Oh, I, I'm cheap. I'm cheap enough that I will deal with the smell of hobo piss. Yeah. No, it was like that 10 years ago. But you're right. It probably hasn't been washed <laughs> since that underpass. Man. No, no, it, it's stale. That's stale hobo piss. Stale hobo it's piss. It's like soaked into the dirt and the concrete. Ugh. The worst kind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, you want to wrap things up? Yeah, I think, I think, I think if I go on anymore, I'm just going to keep saying embarrassing and horrible shit, so... <laughs> The sooner I shut up, the better. Well, the studio construction still going on. But before that, hold on. Oh, go ahead. There is one other thing. I just want to just remind everybody that if for some strange reason you did get any value out of this and you'd like to provide some value back, 
check out the donation stuff on rareencounter.net. Send us some sats. Send us some cash on PayPal. However you feel like contributing, just, uh, send, just send us your love. Send us your cash. Don't send water blankets. <laughs> we don't need those. Well, you know what? I well, maybe send Abel Kirby your blankets <laughs> so he can hang them up so he doesn't sound like he's podcasting from a goddamn cave anymore. Uh, there we go. We're pulling those nails out of the boards. We're getting the studio ready here. All right. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. That's an exciting, uh, exciting, brave new uh, place to podcast in. And I'll be here at least for when a year. get it finished. Yeah. Well, until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. And I've been cold acid. Adios. Looking to everybody tell me she wasn't sad.